Welcome to Putting Up Numbers, the podcast about uniform numbers. Here we break down the stories behind the numbers, talk to the all-time greats that made the number iconic, and give you our picks for the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Shame. I'm Tom Davis here in the City of Angels. Joining me from Big D is my main man, my one-man band, my Charlie Chan, my Toucan Sam, Rudy Klanick. Rudy, tell him today's number. Hello, Tom. Today's number is the number 10. A very special number indeed for me, at least. This was my little league jersey number, Tom. And this was a number that followed me through high school and even in intramurals in college. 10 is my number. I grew up in Florida. We didn't have a major league baseball team. And when you don't have a major league baseball team, what do you do? Well, you go and find a team that's good and it's on TV. Because back in the 70s, there was only one game, pretty much one game every week. And that happened to be the Dodgers and Reds. It seemed like they were on every weekend, every weekend. <laughs> and that's great. And the Dodgers were good. It was the mid-70s. They were really good. The Reds were really good. And I fell in love with the Dodgers, and I fell in love with Mr. Ron Say, the Penguin, third baseman. That was my position, at least, when I was 11 years old. He wore number 10, so there you go, man. Hey, I was a huge Ron Say fan as well, for a different reason, because I was really short uh, <laughs> growing up. And I thought it was cool that he hit a lot of home runs, because yeah. I always wanted to hit home runs and never really did. And he had a great nickname. I mean, the Penguin, there is not a better nickname in sports than the Penguin. Find it for me. It's awesome. It's perfect. Every game, every game, every game, they mention his nickname. Every time he ran down the first baseline, ran in from the infield, it was a great nickname. Fit him like a glove. Great player. Great Dodger. And I've been a lifelong Dodger fan. And later today, we've got Mr. Ron Say on the air with us, which I'm super excited about, talking to the Penguin about how he became number 10. A huge get. Don't you think for for the two of us idiots from nowhere to get Ron Say? <laughs> so we'll have Ron Say in a minute. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the number 10. Rudy, as you know, I don't know very much about soccer, but I know enough to know that number 10 has a special place in the beautiful game. So tell us a little bit about that. Tom, I'm an expert on soccer because I've actually played FIFA, the video game soccer. It's a probably and I coach soccer. Dang it. I coached a 10 U soccer team to the city champion. So, yeah, man, I'm the expert, but you don't have to really be an expert. Number 10 in soccer is it's everything. It's always been everything. Pele was one of the first, probably the first to make it the Hall of Honor number. It's the equivalent of number 23 to the NBA. Number 10 is Pele. Number 10 is Messi. Number 10 is Michelle Akers and Maradona and Ronaldinho and Carly Lloyd. Number 10, man, if you get number 10 at any level of soccer, you are the guy. You're the guy or the gal in the center of the action. You you mean everything to that team. You're the captain and the one everyone looks for for playmaking. You're not necessarily the one that scores all the goals, but you're certainly the one that all the goals kind of focus and funnel through. I know a little bit we're going to talk about contenders and finally like a top 10 10s, I think we could put a list of soccer players that would fill up a top 10. So maybe we should just deal with that separately. But certainly, certainly soccer and number 10 is synonymous. Now, riddle me this about number 10 and Wayne Rooney. He's bald as a billiard ball in Britain. He comes over here to uh, America to play in the MLS and he's got a full head of hair. Is this like an Erlocker type situation? where he somehow figured out a way to regrow hair. What happened? Here? Yeah, when I loved, I tell you, Wayne, Wayne Rooney, man. Wayne Rooney was my all-time player in FIFA. <laughs> Again, number 10. <laughs> and Landon Donovan, probably the 
probably the greatest, I don't know, arguably the greatest men's player for the U.S., uh, another number 10. You know, playmakers, great players. Uh, it all funneled through, and every kid that plays soccer at any level kind of clamors for that number because it comes with a lot of responsibility. I think he was hanging out with Jason Witten, to be honest with you. And uh, he and Witt went to this same, uh, I guess, hair doctor, and they, they looked terrible, man. Wayne Rooney looks fantastic. Go bald. Go bald, man. It's awesome. Yeah, we've got Erlocker. Now, I know Deion Sanders is growing hair now for some reason. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're doing it financially. All right. Well, enough about Wayne Rooney and his hair. But yes, number 10 in soccer is a sacred number. We could have a whole top 10 list just for soccer, folks. But we're going to move on and bring on our first guest. And we couldn't be more excited to have him. Ron Say was an iconic number 10 in the 70s and 80s. He played 17 years in the big leagues with the Dodgers, Cubs, and A's and was a six-time All-Star star and MVP of the 1981 World Series. Ron, thanks so much for being here on the podcast. Thank you. Now, you're synonymous with number 10 for guys like Rudy and myself because of what you did with the Dodgers. How did the number 10 come your way? Jeff Torborg was a Dodger catcher who caught, I think, all of Sandy Koufax's no-hitters. He had left the club. I was coming on to the club. But he said, number 10's available, you know, if you if you want it. And I think that he just wanted to basically have that number out there and visible again because he was also associated with it. So it was kind of funny. So then I started to wear number 10. And, you know, 10 is a uh, number that we all, in many different ways, that number is held in high standards. You say, hey, well, who, who's in your top 10? If you had to rank your meal tonight, what was it? Was it was it a 10? In gymnastics, it's a perfect score. And, you know, over the years, you've had incredible athletes who have worn number 10. So it's a very prestigious number. And I really enjoyed wearing it. And I have, you know, had this conversation with anybody who's worn the number after I left here. Just don't mess it up. <laughs> so, Ron, how does it feel to have another number 10 playing third base for the Dodgers and doing it in such a big way? Um, a little strange at first, but it kind of puts you back out there again, if you will. And Justin Turner currently wears it. And he and I, you know, we have an understanding and he's good with it. He kind of, yeah, I know. I know what I got to do. <laughs> uh, obviously, I left some good karma behind. So Justin has worn it well, and I'm, I'm very pleased to know him as a person and as a player and the way that he conducts himself. It was a good handoff. So Ron, you played 10 seasons in Dodger Blue, and in 1983, you find yourself in Chicago wearing number 11. Did that feel weird at all? Yeah, it felt weird. It felt odd, a little out of place, but there's a little story that goes with that too. Leon Durham wore number 10, and he was there, I think, a year or two possibly in front of me. And Larry Bow had come over with Dallas Green and the Philly contingency. And Larry wore the number 10 in high esteem in Philadelphia. And so if he couldn't get it, I felt like my chances of getting it were probably not so great. But I did inquire. And Leon said that he really wanted to keep it. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go past that. I will go to the next number. It was a number I wanted to wear my whole career. I mean, look, players change. They have different numbers. You know, Kobe Bryant had a few numbers. Michael Jordan, I think, had a few numbers. But I just didn't feel quite the same. And and then when I went to play in Oakland my final year, Tony Larissa, a manager, wore number 10. So I knew that I couldn't possibly 
strangle that out of them either. So it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. In your mind, Ron, irrespective of sport, who are the top three number 10s of all time? Oh, wow. That's almost impossible. Um, uh, the first three that come to mind right this minute are Pele, Fran Tarkington, and Lionel Messi. That is really pretty hefty company right there. And in any order, I would be okay with because I, I think they've all been that great. So, Ron, you're the reason, actually, we, we chose number 10 for this episode. It was the number I wore uh, in Little League and high school, a little bit in college at North Texas. And I wore it because of you. I was a huge fan of the Penguin growing up. What does that make you feel like when somebody tells you that? It makes you feel really good because I wanted to have a positive influence and impact on people. And when they say that, it's worth a great deal more than possibly something material. We've got to talk about the nickname, the Penguin, one of the great sports nicknames of all time. Now, credit has been given to Tommy Lasorda for giving you that nickname, but we understand that's not entirely true. So we'd like for you to set the record straight right here on Put Dump Numbers. Uh, Tommy, of course, he'll take credit for anything thrown his way. But, uh, <laughs> yes, I got it in college at Washington State University. Chuck Bobo Brayton, legendary baseball coach up there, nicknamed me the Penguin. I had a, another nickname in school from football, Scooter. And the funny thing about it is Bobo, he was the one that would cre get credit for the name Penguin, but he'd always call me Scoot. But I still go by both. <laughs> <laughs> a question I've always wanted to know, Ron. 1974, Henry Aaron hits 715. You're on the field. The video never shows him rounding third base because the guys came out of the stands and ran with him at shortstop. Did you shake his hand? What was going through your mind? What, what happened there? I wasn't sure what I was going to do. We all wanted him to do it. I didn't want it to be the game winner that we lost, but if we won eight to one and he had a home run, I'm thrilled. When he started coming around the bases, you know, I'm saying to myself, am I going to try to shake his hand? Oh, it's his moment. I should just get out of the way anyway. Uh, so as it turned out, I let him go. And the next week, the Atlanta Braves come to Los Angeles, and I had two balls and two posters that I was ready to have signed. And so I walked over to their clubhouse before the game, and Henry comes in, and I'm saying, I said, I'm not leaving until you sign these. <laughs> and he just laughed. And by the way, I really wanted to shake your hand when you're coming around third base. But I said, those kids got in my way. He says, yeah. He says, I don't even know how they got on the field. But that was a great moment. And I'm glad that we had an opportunity to share that because this was the most historical event, most historical game that I had participated in as an athlete. And it was really quite special. And congratulations to Henry. Really a great guy. Ron, I'll get you out of here on this one. Wearing the number 10 for the Dodgers as long as you did and still being involved in the organization. What does that mean to you now looking back on it? What does it mean to have been a part of such an iconic organization and to have had the success that you had within the organization? It was an honor to play for the Dodgers. You know, we had a history and tradition. And if you ever had a chance to go through the halls of Dodgertown in Vero Beach, Florida, our spring training facility, you would have understood the uh, subliminal messages that are being sent to you by way of pictures of great players that came before you, the all-star players, the championship teams. These are all part of the scenery of Dodgertown. And I wanted to be one of those players that my picture was going to be up on the wall. 
And I wanted my team to have its picture up there as a world champion. We never went to spring training one year thinking about anything else. And I consider that to be an incredible situation to be involved in. Nothing but excellence. That's what you're taught. And to be able to compete for that on one of the highest levels, we were one of those dynasty teams in the 70s. You kind of qualify when you're in the World Series four out of 10 years. And the biggest problem of not getting there more than we did was the Cincinnati Reds. And they were a dynasty team of the 70s as well. So I played against some of the greatest players in the game. I got to play against my childhood idol, Willie Mays. I got to play against him. That just blew me away. And it was such a privilege to be a Dodger and all the many accomplishments that we had. We had the first 30 home run foursome in Major League history. We had the longest running and most successful infield in Major League history. Not the greatest infield of all time, but the most successful. To be a world champion, to be a World Series MVP, to be a six-time All-Star, to be the highest-ranked by war infielder in Los Angeles Dodger history, if we hadn't been able to do those things, you know, it would have been a job, been an actual job. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Ron, it has been a great pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for being a part of our show, and we look forward to seeing you down the road. Okay, well, stay healthy. Stay out of harm's way. Our thanks again to Ron Say. What a thrill it was to meet the Penguin. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Now, Rudy, Ron mentioned that his top three include two soccer guys. We already have mentioned that we could have a whole top ten of soccer guys, but he had Pele and Messi in his top three along with Fran Tarkenton. Aside from soccer people, who would you have as contenders for the all-time number one, number ten? We'll keep soccer aside because soccer would dominate the number 10. Soccer would overwhelm our number 10 list. But if it's the non-soccer list, I love Chipper Jones. As much as I love Ron Say, I love Chipper Jones. He's a great number 10. Another third baseman. Of course, he came up as a shortstop, but another fantastic third baseman, Hall of Fame third baseman. And I guess now Chip is going to take it on on the uh, broadcast booth. So that should be interesting. What do you think about Chipper Jones? Great pick. Might be the most iconic number 10 outside of Lefty Grove. And Lefty Grove was a long time ago, so long ago, in fact, that he was number 10 because at that time when they, they assigned numbers based on where you batted in the batting order, which is why Babe Ruth was number three and Lou Gehrig was number four and Joe DiMaggio was number five. Lefty Grove was 10 because he was the first pitcher. (laughs) So that's how long ago that's been. So Chipper Jones is synonymous with the number for all great reasons. And the Braves even retired number 10 in his honor. So uh, nobody else will ever wear that number again for the Braves anyway. Well, it's cool you mentioned that about Lefty Grove, and you and I are the same age, so I know you remember this, man. When you're in Little League, and it's such chintzy uniforms that they only had one through probably 12 based on how big you were, right? (laughs) And so you got the number that often was handed to you, (laughs) and so that was Always, in my case, was handed to me, yeah. Yeah, you didn't get get to choose unless your dad was the coach. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, and you had you had the uniforms at the house beforehand but uh yeah i ended up i was a little guy growing up as i mentioned earlier so a lot of twos and threes a lot of fours 
which none of them ever really, ever really stuck. But Chipper Jones is a great call for me. I always think about Sir Francis Tarkenton from Minnesota, maybe an unheralded quarterback in the sense that, you know, when he retired, he had most of the passing records that have now been shattered. But at the time, you know, Fran Tarkenton, it was certainly not an imposing figure by any stretch of the imagination, was a guy who really made number 10 sing as far as I was concerned. Francis Tarkenton, man. What a, and Sir Francis Tarkenton, as Cosell used to call him. Man, he'd be a really curious, what would he be like now? I'm really curious to see, like, what kind of quarterback would that, what would that be, that matchup now? He certainly was elusive to a certain extent. Probably ran a 5-6-40 for all we know. Here's a hot take for you. Is Fran Tarkenton the predecessor to somebody like Lamar Jackson? A guy who can run around, throw the ball a little bit, do a lot of different things to keep a play alive? I think so. When you get older, the only memories you have of the NFL are NFL films, which is like propaganda films, which is fine. You remember all the losses that he took, all the tough losses that the Vikings took in the Super Bowls, three of them with him as starting quarterback. So he gets kind of dinged on that. But man, I mean, the numbers, the the attempts at completions. Yeah, he's kind of a modern uh, kind of what we look at today as a really successful quarterback coming out of college. You know, guys like Kyler Murray and, and Lamar, like you mentioned. So, uh, yeah, Francis Targets is definitely on the list, man. He's a great number 10. And, and let's not forget that he inspired the Mary Tyler Moore jersey in the opening <laughs> of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yes. Washing her car, wearing the number 10, which th- that dates us in a way that no- that nothing else can. The fact that we're talking about the uh, start of a television show from, from the early 70s. But anyway. <laughs> Love the Mary Tyler Moore show. Come on now. Give me another number 10 that should be a contender on the list. You know, this is a controversial one because this is is such a polarizing guy, another quarterback, but Eli Manning, right? He was number 10, obviously. Very successful and horribly failure at times. I mean, Giants fans certainly loved him during a couple Super Bowl runs, and he deserves his props for knocking off the Patriots twice, man. It's amazing. And then Giants fans obviously pelted him with cuss words and everything else they probably could because he's just an easy target. He's definitely polarizing and uh, his success in the Super Bowl is, is amazing, honestly. So yeah, that's that's another one I would say be on our list. While I have the hot take machine fired up here, <laughs> I'm going to throw another one out for you. I don't think he'll age well in the sense of in 10 or 15 years, will people remember Eli Manning. While he certainly is, in my view, Hall of Famer, and as you mentioned, you know, he did great things in the Super Bowl. I mean, the helmet catch alone is is iconic. Is he maybe Henry Winkler? Like, nobody believes now that Henry (laughs) Winkler was the coolest guy in the world at one point. Again, I'm going back to 70s TV references. But it's okay. It's okay. That's who we are. At some point, Henry Winkler was the coolest guy in America. And at some point, Eli Manning was an elite quarterback in the NFL. And is anybody going to remember that in 10 or 15 years? Well, you know, they'll remember the NFL films highlights of the Super Bowls. But man, I I agree with you. Funny you mentioned Arthur Fonzarelli. Man, the coolest guy on our list, I think, is is Walt Frazier, isn't it? Undoubtedly the coolest guy, a an alum of Southern Illinois University, the Harvard of the Midwest. You can look it up. Your alma mater, sir. Your alma mater. Yeah, my alma mater, baby. You You know, go Salukis, right? Just, the, you know, the epitome of cool in every way, shape and form, even today. So, yeah, Walt Frazier, definitely a contender on the list. You know, while we're on the subject of uh, basketball in the NBA, what about Dennis Rodman? I don't know if I, I mean, he's certainly a contender. I don't think he'd make my final list because he did his kind of 
showtime time uh, with another number. You know, when he was number 10, they were super successful, but he was kind of um, Kawhi Leonard uh, on the uh, on the Spurs. You know, when Kawhi Leonard was on the Spurs, he was fantastic. But there was all these other guys that kind of were really overseeing those championship runs. And then Kawhi goes off and, and does his thing. Dennis Rodman was just a guy. He was a very important guy, but he wasn't the guy there, you know. And so he did most of his his big time, his showtime damage when he was other numbers, especially in Chicago. So he's a contender, but I wouldn't put him at the uh, wouldn't put him at, near the top. Well, speaking of number ten, and speaking of Chicago, Bob Love is the reason why Dennis Rodman wasn't able to wear a number ten in Chicago for the Bulls. Why he ended up wearing ninety one, which for those of you who are slow at math, adds up to 10. But Bob Love was a a player in his own right in an era in the 70s, you know, 60s and 70s, where he could score with anybody. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, he's another one that a lot of people, you know, obviously anybody um, that says they're a big NBA fan in the uh, in the early 70s is lying because the NBA was not super, not super important in the living rooms. You had to really dig. You had to really literally love it to, to follow it closely. But certainly Bob Love was a great player, obviously worthy of getting his number retired. I love that story. You know, Rodman picking up. 91. And I guarantee you, most people would not know why he did that. It's so simple, right? Number nine and plus one is 10. So there you go. Let me just correct myself slightly. BJ Armstrong wore number 10 at the time, and they actually retired the number while BJ Armstrong was playing for the Bulls. And rather than change it, he just kept it. BJ Armstrong also, you know, amazing for a for a 14 year old to be in the NBA. I mean, that guy looked like he was a kid. When he was had gray hair, he looked like a kid. Yeah, he was a he was a str- strange looking character for sure, and to me, not not a contender on the list. But nonetheless, I just wanted to mention that. Speaking of contenders, somebody I mentioned in the open Gila floor, the the architect of so many of those great Montreal Canadiens teams. Yeah, certainly the greatest number ten in hockey, man. That's easy playing for basically the equivalent of the New York Yankees, too, right? A big big time player and probably the most uh, mispronounced hockey name by most American fans. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, and and, and just an incredibly original nickname, the Flower. I mean, nicely yeah. done. Yeah, that's nice. Let's uh, let's throw out maybe some some sentimental picks. Ron Say would be a sentimental pick. Ron Say was a World Series MVP. Played in the greatest, arguably the greatest infield in baseball. Certainly in the seventies, one of the greatest with Lopes and Russell and Garvey. So I'd say Ron Say for me, of course, I'm a fan. I'm a, you know his poster was above my bed as a kid. That's a sentimental choice for me for sure. For me, it's Brad Van Pelt, a linebacker with the New York Giants, the New York football Giants, the mm-hmm. most popular number 10 before maybe Eli Manning. But remember, the you know, the NFL didn't institute their sort of jersey numbering system until 1973, where, you know, linebackers have to wear the numbers 50 through 59. And he was allowed to wear number 10 because he uh, yeah. when he was signed, he was a backup kicker. So he got number 10 and just kept it. And then the coolest thing about that, too, is his son, Bradley, had a cup of coffee in the NFL with Denver and Houston. And he wore number 10 as well. So Brad Van Pelt has always been a sentimental pick for me. That's awesome. I love uh, linebacker wearing number 10. I wish the NFL would have allowed or would allow players, especially college guys that really 
made their name in college, like Reggie Bush immediately comes to mind. Even in two number fives, actually, LaDainian Tomlinson and Reggie Bush, man, they both wore number five in college and then got to the pros and they had a switch. To your point earlier, they had a switch and 25 and 21. I mean, that's, you know, certainly LT was a phenomenal pro and, uh, and Reggie was a good one, but not a phenomenal one. But man, number five as a running back, number 10 as a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Those are cool. I love that. I wish that was, I wish we'd see that a little bit more often. Yeah. Who else you got on the list for uh, sentimental picks? How can you not love Manute Ball? Manute Ball. <laughs> Well, just look at him, man. You talk about we need a smile right now. We're going through this crazy time in our in our lives. I just look, you watch an old NBA game and watch Manute Ball run up and down the floor and block every shot that's attempted, man. It's going to bring a smile to your face. Seven foot seven. Are you kidding me? Um, Minute Bowl is definitely a sentimental pick. Great stories about Minute Bowl and number 10. He went to, uh, was it Bridgeport University? Is that where he went to school? Anyway, he threatened to leave the team on the day that they met the media unless he could wear number 10. He said he couldn't stay. He couldn't stay at school if he couldn't wear number 10. And then years later with the Golden State Warriors, when he was wearing number 10, the Warriors had drafted Tim Hardaway, who was a pretty famous number 10 in college. And so Hardaway asked Bull if he could buy the jersey number from him. And he told him he he could have it for half a million dollars, which was Hardaway's entire salary. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so he kept number 10 and Hardaway, uh, Hardaway changed. But yeah, Manute Bull is a great choice. One thing, one to finish up a little bit on Manute Bull, his son wears number 10 with the Nuggets, which is cool. Bull Bull, of course. Bull Bull. I love it. Love it, man. Again, not the big, I'm not the biggest hockey guy in the world, but I do know enough about hockey to know Pavel Bure was a phenomenal player. And again, a guy that made number 10 super important, super relevant for the Canucks. And I would put him on my list. We're going to give him credit because his wife, Candace Cameron Bure, is on the Hallmark <laughs> Channel at Christmas just about every hour on the hour with Frozen for Christmas or A Prince for Christmas or some sort of Christmas movie. So for what she's done alone, I think Pavel Bure deserves to be on the list. Speaking of uh, people who've made contributions to popular culture, Mookie Blaylock, the band Pearl Jam before... They were Pearl Jam was called Mookie Blaylock. And the reason being, they got about 10 bucks a day, they said, in per diem. And they used to go to a place and buy basketball cards. And when they made their demo tape, they didn't have any artwork. They didn't really have a name or anything. So they just stuck a Mookie Blaylock card in the cassette case and started calling themselves Mookie Blaylock. And so then when Pearl Jam 10 comes out, the reason that the seminal album of Pearl Jam the band is called 10 is because of Mookie Blaylock. That's awesome. Man, I'd love to hear what he had to say about that. Um, that, That's a phenomenal story. I think we haven't mentioned this really icon of number 10s, but Nancy Lieberman that is the gold standard for women's basketball. She's still very ins- instrumental in leadership discussions and kind of a, you know, ambassador of basketball all around the world. Um, what a great number 10, obviously a fantastic player, coach, college pro, the whole bit. Um, Nancy Lieberman's probably on our contenders list for best number 10 all time. 
Nancy Lieberman, certainly deserving to be on the list. So now it's time for heat check. And what we mean by heat check is these are current players who maybe aren't on our list are going to be on the list for the Hall of Fame at the end of the show. But these are people who are definitely making a case by what they're doing on the field. And for me, Rudy, the first on that list would be Tyreek Hill of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, my favorite team. He wore 24 at Oklahoma State. He wore 11 at West Alabama. I don't know that there's any significance to number 10 for Tyreek Hill, but nonetheless, he's making a name for himself in that number. Who else is on the heat check list for you? First of all, one of the biggest non-surprises today's podcast is you picking Tyreek Hill and talking about the Super Bowl. You know, I like <laughs> Tyreek Hill because he's a guy, number 10 is such a cool number, just a look of it for a receiver, right? And another guy on that heat check list certainly is DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. Amazing that the Texans decided to exit stage left on him. I don't know what in the heck they're thinking, but DeAndre Hopkins is a great number 10. We'll see where it goes. He's certainly off to a phenomenal start. We'll see where he takes it. But I mean, right now, you'd have to say he's a top three receiver in the league, wouldn't you think? Oh, for sure. DeAndre Hopkins chose number 10 uh, because of Messi. He's a soccer fan, probably a FIFA guy, uh, because (laughs) Messi wears 10 and he knows the significance because he's the greatest. That's why DeAndre throws 10 on his back. So he's a good heat check for sure. Um, Who else? Jimmy Garoppolo or number 10 for uh, the Patriots there for a hot second. And then with the 49ers came up a little short in the Super Bowl, which we've mentioned before. And we'll certainly mention again and again and again. (laughs) If I have anything to say about it, put Jimmy Garoppolo on the list. He's, He's very attractive. Definitely a handsome man. I'm not sure he's a great quarterback, but he's a handsome man. So we'll give him that. And I know the Patriots are probably kicking themselves for letting him go, but it it was what it was. He's a good guy for the list. I'm thinking he may end up the Eli Manning trail where people love him. They people hate him at the same time. We'll see. I think another great heat check guy changing sports a little bit, but uh, getting back to third base with the Dodgers is Justin Turner. He's a Dodger favorite. He probably is the most popular guy in that team. Such a great player for them. Hits in the middle of their order. And obviously, obviously takes right after Ron Say. Number 10 at third base for the Dodgers. He just needs to win a uh, World Series MVP. MVP, which, you know, maybe this year if they ever start playing baseball. <laughs> you know, with apologies to Mike Schmidt, maybe the most popular, productive, uh, redheaded third baseman in Major League Baseball. Subcategory. I like it. There, yeah, subcategory. And we're just making things up as we go along here. You know, DeMar DeRozan, I think, is on that list. DeMar DeRozan wearing number 10. And a great story again there. It's sort of a dual reason why DeMar DeRozan wears number 10. First off, he's from Compton. So, com. 10, but also Kobe Bryant, uh, the dearly departed Kobe Bryant, wore number 10 in the Beijing Olympics. And so he wanted to be more like Kobe Bryant. And so rather than take eight or 24, he stuck with 10. And so DeMar DeRozan, I think, belongs on the list as well. I think that's a good list. Those are guys that, that keep uh, keep tabs with. DeRozan has the longest body of work, you know, and, and a good player for sure, playing for a great franchise with the Spurs now and playing for Pop. So it's a, it's a good list. I think, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, fantastic. He probably has the biggest upside of that that group, I think. So that's that's a good heat check list. Excellent. Well, let's move to something, Rudy, that I know is near and dear to your heart. Screen stars, movie and TV characters in sports movies who have worn the number 10 with distinction. I'm going to give you a top five list here, Rudy, and I think you're going to agree with me. And of course, you can disagree, but you'll be you'll be wrong. Coming in at number five, Rob Lowe as Dean Youngblood in the movie Youngblood. Let's go. Pretty boy. Let's go. (laughs) 
just a, just a great movie. You know, peak Rob Lowe had great yeah. hair. It was everything that 1986 was about. Number four, Robbie Benson as Henry Steele in One on One. Don't you worry. You're not going to be hassled anymore about your scholarship. Sir? Yes? All the way up with a red hot poker. I can play anywhere I want. <laughs> <laughs> From watching the movie, and I've seen the movie several times, I think Robbie Benson can actually ball a little bit. A little bit. Handsome game. I don't think Rob Lowe had a ton of hockey skills, but Robbie Benson looked like he picked up a basketball. That's a huge piece of the puzzle for sports movies. I think Benson actually pulled it off. Number three on the list. This is maybe a little bit of a cheat, but let's go with Pele. Corporal Luis Fernandez in the movie Victory. I can't believe he's this low on your list. Are you kidding me? He won the Second World War. <laughs> he won the Second World War with a bicycle kick. My God. Yeah, him, Stallone, and Michael Caine somehow <laughs> single-handedly won World War II. And then later, Stallone would win the Cold War. So, I mean, just an incredible body of work from him. But he uh, loses out to Michael Ontkeen. Ned Braden from the all-time classic Slapshot from 1977. Dave's out. Who's going to take his place? Is the answer Jesus? Honkin <laughs> apparently played a little bit of hockey, so he made it look realistic. He wasn't going to goon it up for Reg Dunlop, Rudy. He was not going to goon it up. <laughs> so coming in at number one, it's not even close. Chelsea Ross, Eddie Harris in Major League. You're trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? It's a great list. I would certainly put Pele at the top, man. But I can't argue with those five. And those are great number tens, man. That's a good digging, really good research for our research or crack research staff, which is you and me, of course. But yeah, great <laughs> list, man. I like it. There you go. Screen stars. Rob Lowe, Robbie Benson, Pele, Michael Antkeen, Chelsea Ross. You can choose to disagree, but you'll be wrong. Okay, Rudy, before we can get to the Hall of Fame, of course, we have to get to the Hall of Shame. This is bad players or bad moments with players wearing number 10. Who do you got on this list? Well, you know, we were talking about heat check guys a little bit ago. And so I'm going to combo platter. Probably heat check. Hall of Shame is Mitch Trubisky, Chicago Bears uh, eyesore. (laughs) Number 10, for sure. And uh, at times, at times, he's looked like a competent quarterback, but not very often. (laughs) So there's a obviously a a very good chance that Mitch loses his starting job this year. A very good chance that people look at this draft pick as a disaster. Very good chance that he is a backup quarterback. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky's Hall of Shame heat checker right now. That's that's a I think that's a good call. I like the combination of the two categories for sure. But speaking of Chicago, you know, number 10, Leon Durham, 1985 playoffs. Ground ball hit to Durham right through his leg. Ironically, he was the guy who was moved to first base when Bill Buckner was made expendable and uh, traded to Boston. We know what happened just two years later. Rudy, who else is on the list? You know, you can't do a number 10 Hall of Shame without talking about Art Schleister. I am a lifelong Michigan fan. So as a kid, Art Schleister was the Antichrist. He was a really good quarterback for Ohio State. He was a freshman, true freshman. It started at quarterback for one of the best programs in the country. Terrell Pryor, by the way, was only the, the second guy to do that. So big time company. He was picked fourth overall in the 82 draft by the Baltimore Colts. And he started six of 13 games and he lost them all. <laughs> I mean, he was great in college, but man, it did not work in the NFL. And then it turned really dark. He got suspended the entire 83 season due to gambling. 
Wow. He ended up doing 10 years in prison for theft, wire fraud, bank fraud, and just on top of that, filing a false tax return. He's supposed to get out in October of 2020. Is that right? He's supposed he's getting out in October of 20, October 4th, 2020's expected release date. You put him on the shame list. You hope he's a better guy for it. But man, he's been in jail for quite some time and just kind of a sad story, right? I'm amazed by the fact that he is still yeah. a yeah. resident of the Gray Bar Hotel as we speak. Another guy that would belong on the list for me. And it's, he's not so much bad as it is weird. The Montreal Expos have actually retired the number 10 twice. Uh, once for Andre Dawson, which makes perfect sense. The Hawk, one of the great players in, in Expos history. The other one, Le Grand Orange, Rusty Staub, who was beloved by the fans in Montreal, which was the reason they retired the number. But the weird thing is he only played three and a half years there. Can you imagine anybody getting their number retired in three and a half years? That's an, that's incredible. I mean, you'd see some franchises that retire numbers because they haven't retired numbers. So maybe that's part of it. But they must have loved him. What a great nickname, by the way. They should have retired it just for the nickname. What a fantastic nickname. That's an all-timer. Undoubtedly. And I think maybe number 10 has the all-time number one spot for coolest nicknames. You've got Clyde, you've got the Penguin, you've got Le Grand Orange. You've got some cool nicknames in this list. But Rusty Staub is just a weird one. And here's the irony of the whole thing. The Montreal Expos are now the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals don't recognize any of the retired numbers from the Montreal Expos. Uh, Rudy, who else you got on the list? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's two guys, uh, two college guys uh, that really did number 10 proud in college. RG3, obviously, was a phenomenal player for Baylor and was a really, really good player uh, his rookie season for the Redskins. You know, he got hurt. The team mismanaged his injury and uh, he's never been the same. He's not out of the league. He's a backup for Lamar. So certainly Baltimore fans hope. He's not on the field ever. <laughs> um, he's changed his number to number three in Baltimore. But, you know, it just it just never happened for him. The other guy, Vince Young, number 10 at University of Texas during the uh, COVID-19 quarantine. I think I've seen the Texas-USC game no less than 20 times on either the Longhorn Network on ESPN. Greatest game, greatest play in University of Texas history was his touchdown run at the end of that game. And, and then goes to the Titans actually was pretty good. It's a bummer because he's a guy that you would see, you could see him succeeding in the league if he had his head on straight and could manage it. And he just never did. So I put both those guys kind of together yeah, kind of for, for different sure. reasons, but um, two phenomenal college number 10s for sure. Which brings us to the Hall of Fame, the all-time top five number 10s coming in at number five on the list, the flower, Guy Lafleur. Yeah, Guy Lafleur is a great number five. Um, on our list at number four, we're going to go with Eli Manning. So Eli Manning, the beleaguered, the superstar, the hated, the loved, but two Super Bowl rings, fantastic performance. And not only Super Bowl rings, but beating the best team maybe in the history of football, the New England Patriots. Uh, sorry, Chiefs, but New England Patriots. So number four, Eli Manning. 
All right. Uh, Coming in at number three, we have three and three A here, uh, and it's an interesting story. Number three, we're going to put Walt Frazier. Clyde, absolutely the coolest guy in the history of the NBA. Three A, Nancy Lieberman. An interesting story. The the reason that Nancy Lieberman wore number 10 was because Walt Frazier was number 10. So we're going to give them both the number three slot, three and three A, Walt Frazier and Nancy Lieberman. Super appropriate. That's great. Our number two is Chipper Jones, the third baseman, longtime third baseman for the Braves, uh, started and finished his career with the same team. Can't say that very often anymore. And, uh, you know, I bet you his name, I think he's going to be good, by the way, in the broadcast booth. I think he'll be fun. Uh, he's a baseball nerd, and uh, but also a kind of down-to-earth guy. I bet you his kind of brand gets bigger, uh, just like some of these guys like Tony Romo has gotten so big. So Chipper Jones, number two, what a great number 10. Number one on the list, Rudy, I think you and I were both simpatico on this from the very beginning. Sir Francis Tarkenton, probably not well enough remembered by enough people for what he was able to do in the NFL before you, know, you were throwing on every down. The guy put up numbers. There's just no denying in that. To me, Sir Francis Tarkenton is the epitome of number 10. He played in a sea full of great number 12s and we'll get to that in the subsequent weeks. Number 12 quarterbacks in the 70s. Everybody good wore number 12, it seemed. But Tarkenton threw down number 10 and I think he's a great choice for our number one guy. So there you go. That's our list. Let me run it down for you one more time. Coming in at number 5, Guy Lafleur. Number 4, Eli Manning. Number 3 and 3A, Walt Frazier and Nancy Lieberman. Number 2, Chipper Jones and number one, Sir Francis Tarkenton. And again, just as a little bit of an asterisk here, kind of like the Astros asterisk. We talked about soccer to kick this off, literally, figuratively. We get it. Number 10 in soccer is a whole nother deal. If we were doing a list there, Pele and Messe would be one and one A on that list for sure. And we'd have lots of dialogue about it. But man, we are not soccer experts. So we know we, we, tip our cap. We bow at the presence of 10 in soccer, but our best ever list non-soccer is exactly where we are right now. So that's it for this edition of Putting Up Numbers. You can find links to the show and notes at our website, puttinupnumbers.com. If you like what we're doing, please like and subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. Wake the kids, call the neighbors, tell your friends, do anything you can do to make sure that more people listen to the Putting Up Numbers podcast. You can follow us on the three majors of social as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll be back soon with another edition of Putting Up Numbers. Until then, and from Los Angeles, California, I'm Tom Davis. And I am Rudy Klanick. And we'll see you next time on Putting Up Numbers.